0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on May 28, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a really beautiful place to do
0: just that. This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by your actualized visions a local advertising agency your actualized visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof from logo design business cards banners and signage to online services such as website design seo management promotional videos reputation management and loyalty promotions you name it and your actualized visions will handle it for you on time and under budget Built on the needs of their clients, your Actualized Visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling Your Actualized Visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what Your Actualized Visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com your actualized visions, your dreams today, not someday. Joe, why am I not hearing you?
1: And now you're hearing me. I'm (laughs) your host, (laughs) Joe Terry. And you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. And of course, I'm not alone because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of The South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. The beauty of live podcast, right?
1: I can hear you. How
0: how are you? How how are you? How how was your uh, Memorial Day weekend?
1: Well, my wife and I took a special trip. Uh, We we have a daughter who's living in uh, Northern California, in a a small town called Kelseyville, which is just north of uh, of Napa, and uh, which is. Most people don't know outside of California. Inside California, everyone knows that Napa is north of San Francisco, and so we decided to drive up and visit her. And uh, it was spectacular. Uh, my my daughter Olivia and her significant other Zachary, they live on a farm uh, that he's purchased, and it's 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 quite amazing. And so anyway, we we drove up. And that was wonderful, visiting family. It was fantastic. My uh, oldest daughter, Sarah, drove down from Oregon with her boyfriend, and uh, we had a wonderful time. But oh, that sounds
0: wonderful.
1: I'm not going <laughs> to bore you with the family details. The the uh, sort of exciting end to it, the denouement, was that my wife and I then decided to drive down the coast Highway 1, all the way to, well, we didn't drive too far to just above Goleta, but we drove all the way down, uh, and it was right through Big Sur. This is the the famous drive on the coast where there are several unbelievable bridges. I mean, I, yeah. there's this one bridge that's like, it's got to be 500 to 700, 800 foot uh, drop below to the ocean, and it's an amazing uh, journey. <laughs> it
0: it is it is. I've done that drive a few times, and whenever I'm not driving, I keep my eyes closed uh, doing yeah. that because that, that 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 is very hairy. That is very very hairy. Hey, listen, it, it's um, hairy. It, mm. it is it is. Um, we have a, we have a great show today. A topic that is way more important than anybody can possibly imagine. Uh, and this whole pandemic situation really brought it to the forefront. But before we get to that, I received an update last night from the city of Torrance. Um, now, this is interesting because I got it from Torrance. I didn't get anything about this from the county yet. Uh, you know, so, you know, sometimes, you, you know, these South Bay alerts we get, you know, that alert system, yeah. all the cities in the South Bay. So, So sometimes cities do things or they come out with things, and then a day later, the county comes out with it. Sometimes it's the county that's first. And as we know, over the last couple of weeks, cities have been opening things up with, without county approval. Uh, but I, I received this from the city of Torrance uh, last night reopening Safer at Work and in the Community for Control of COVID 19, blah, 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 blah. County of Los Angeles through stage two of California's Pandemic Resilience Roadmap that supersedes all prior safer at home orders issued um uh faith-based organization okay okay safer at home order allows subject to physical distancing cloth coverings and other safety protocols the following changes faith-based organizations may resume service with the number of congress against limited to 25 percent of the total all retail may open including those located in indoor and outdoor retail shopping centers at 50 percent capacity Flea markets, swap meets, and drive-in movie theaters may resume operations. Pools, hot tub saunas, and multi-unit residences may reopen. So, um, so, th- I, and I heard from one of my contacts in Torrance that Del Amo Mall will be reopening. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, so things are moving very quickly. And if you saw my weekend guide that came out earlier today, first thing this morning, um, they had to do that because we about, what, 10 days ago? It was a Thursday. It was a Thursday last week, all right, a week ago. Manhattan Beach, mm. the city of Manhattan Beach City Council, uh, did some finagling I, 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 and basically Look, said that all retail – y- Yeah, so basically they said all retail in the city of Manhattan Beach could reopen with preventative measures, which they did. Mm. Um, and And what did I tell you? I believe on Friday, I said, I said, it's going to have a ripple effect, and neighboring cities are going to start opening everything up, regardless right. that the county didn't say it was okay. And right. um, sure enough, by Monday, the county came out and said, okay, all retail can open with the with these measures in place, <clears throat> because we know it wouldn't look good if the cities just completely <laughs> decided to ignore the county mandates, right? So, uh, so uh, to me, this was. Government officials trying to stay face. You know they're trying to stay face because what were they going to do? Were they going to try to enforce? You know, <laughs> the city of Manhattan Beach from from letting retail open and anybody else that followed suit. So anyway, we're on the road. We're on the road to reopening, and uh, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need we need to get this done and over with. I'm 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 over it. I'm over it. So so let's open up right. people.
1: And, and no, opening, mask uh... no mask
0: shaming. No mask shaming. You know, forget. Don't do that. People are people are getting crazy with the mask mask shaming. You know. Oh. On both you mean? Sides, uh, you know, people are yelling at people are yelling at people for not wearing masks, and there are people were yelling at people. Why are you wearing a mask? That's dangerous. You're breathing your own carbon monoxide. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. So anyway, <laughs> let's, let's get on to more important matters. Okay.
1: Well, like I was like you were saying, driving down the coast through Big Sur. One of the most beautiful places on earth. But whoever got the idea that they should put a road in there? Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, we also saw several construction projects along the way. They're, they're getting very high tech on the construction. There's actually a red light and a green light. So you the, the traffic flow is pretty smooth because they don't have workers you know manning stop and go signs they have you know portable uh stop and go lights st- street lights for lack of a better term, but anyway it was it was fantastic, beautiful, and for the first time, Jackie, I got to see the elephant seal habitats uh I think it's just below Morrow Bay um there are the elephant seal habitats, or just above Morrow Bay and uh it was it was pretty spectacular um, but like you said it was hairy and Jackie hairy is not good <laughs> if you haven't been to the stylist lately
0: <laughs> so
1: Jackie please tell me who is our guest today
0: Okay, our guest this morning is Eric Taylor, founder and CEO of Salon Republic. Now, Salon Republic is an industry leader in the salon studio concept, offering modern, luxurious, and private studio space to over 2,000 independent beauty professionals in 22 locations across four states, with two in the South Bay. In 2017, Eric started the Hair Game Podcast, a weekly show focusing on the beauty industry that educates, informs, and entertains its listeners in over 70 countries. The podcast has produced over 130 episodes and has been downloaded over half a million times. Now, this morning, Joe, we're going to talk about personal grooming and the lack thereof during this coronavirus pandemic. And let me tell you something. The deprivation of personal grooming is probably one of the hottest topics this year. So, we're going to get into it. Welcome to the program, Eric. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Hi guys. How are
2: you? Thanks for having me. And by the way, Joe, that was the best segue I think
1: I've ever heard. <laughs> it it's uh well, it's just one of the most um uh time sort of era specifically uh Good ideas. I mean, I know that you've been in business for several years, and that you've been building 20, this business for years. some time. Twenty yep. years. Twenty years. Yeah. But when you when you look at the the revenue streams that you have and the the sort of positioning that you have, it seems perfect for the new normal. Tell us about that, Eric.
2: Yeah. So. I mean, just right right out of the gate, this has been the the first and only existential threat to our industry that I've experienced in 20 years. We've got now 20 locations. We've got about 2,000 beauty professionals. And, you know, we sailed through, as did our beauty professionals, you know, sailed through for the most part the Great Recession of 2008 9 um, because people have to get their hair cut right and then of course here comes the coronavirus pandemic and it becomes illegal essentially to get your hair cut so um, in the state of, in the state of California we've got over half a million licensed beauty professionals who all of a sudden can cannot work period so you know unemployment checks took forever to get. Um, the PPP was too sophisticated and it wasn't really built for um, individual hairdressers, whether they are employed or independent. And stimulus checks took a while to get. So it's been absolutely absolutely devastating for um, anyone who is a beauty professional in this state. And it has it will eventually most people believe that it will eventually um, render the ultimate closure
0: of about 30 percent of salons in the state permanently. Unbelievable. 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 Well, thirty percent. well, Eric. Yeah. yeah. Well, Eric, tell us for anybody that is not familiar with Salon Republic, if you live in the South Bay, I'm sure you are. Uh, but for anybody that's not familiar with salon republic explain to us how it differs from your general salon
2: sure so this was the second part of joe's question uh, what makes us different what makes us great for this time and place right we offer our, our salons are comprised of individual studios so our 2000 beauty professionals each have their own individual studio which is essentially like You know, a modern-looking office. You know, there's lots of windows, and the ceilings are very high, and there's a shampoo unit there in the studio, and there's a, a door that closes. And so they have walls around them that they can decorate, and they can paint, and they can put art and stuff. They can create their own salon environment within this, call it, you know, 12 by 12 studio, which is more than enough space. Um, And the great part of this, through this pandemic, and and I guess this is a silver lining for those, you know, who have such a workspace, is that they can can control it to prevent any sort of cross-contamination of viruses that you might get Mm -hmm. in a large open workspace where you've got, you know, 25 clients walking in and out and people are coughing and sneezing, you know, hopefully into their masks. Um, in this kind of big uh, open air space. So th- there is, you, you know, I, I almost feel guilty talking about how it's a better workspace just because, you know, this has been bad for everybody. But th- there is no doubt that, that our beauty pros are excited to get back into their studios. They've, under, all beauty pros have gone through 1,600 hours of state-mandated education that focuses on sanitation, disinfection, health, and safety. That was pre-COVID, and it's going to be post-COVID. That's always been the case. You know, they know how to keep things clean. So our beauty professionals are excited to get back in the salon and to start seeing their clients again and maintain their studios in a nice, safe fashion. Barbicide. 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 That Barbara, <laughs> barbicide has a certificate. I mean, you say that maybe as a joke, but you know, nowadays barbicide is no joke. Yet if you go back two months, um, probably most clients barely knew what barbicide was, and hairstylists mm-hmm. probably probably were not keeping up on their stock of barbicide. But barbicide has become the the word of the day, and their cer- <laughs> their certification for um, uh, sanitation and disinfection of tools and your workplace in general has become kind of the thing to do du jour. So mm-hmm. it's, it's free. It takes less than an hour. You go on their website. And so all the hairstylists, even our managers, we required that our salon managers and our regional managers get this barbicide certification for sanitation.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, I got I got to take this in a slightly different direction. Um, Eric, sure. you probably you probably saw some of the memes. Uh, I, I, I have to tell you, the memes from this situation have been hysterical, and okay. there were a lot of them that focused on personal grooming. Um, yeah. One of them was something like, "In about three weeks, we're going to know everybody's real hair color." You know, yeah. um, there, there were other ones uh, that. that you know, involved, everything from hairy legs to toenails that are three inches long. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, one of the things that upset me the most, from the moment I heard the term non-essential worker, mm-hmm. I, I, was so, yeah. I was so offended by that. Because let me tell you something. Everybody is an essential worker. If they weren't, mm-hmm. they, wouldn't be, they wouldn't have jobs. You know, yeah. your, your, your house cleaner, your gardener, your hairdresser, you, you know, whoever it is, they're all essential, you know, so don't don't mm-hmm. that 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 term should never be used. All right. All right. Um, but I'll tell you, it was the first thing, Eric. It was the first topic of conversation when I started the Zoom calls with my friends and family. Mm-hmm. Was well, you know, yeah. everybody's looking in the Zoom camera, you know, pulling their hair apart. Oh, my God, look at my roots. Look at my roots. Right. Um, it, it, it 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 is important. It is important.
2: It's extremely important. I think most of us have just gotten used to it, me included, even though I'm in the business, have just gotten accustomed to being able to get anything that they want from a personal grooming standpoint done whenever they want. You know, nowadays, the products are so good. If you have dark hair, you can go light, like in one sitting sometimes. You know, so you go in there, I wanna go blonde, okay, here you go, you go blonde. I wanna go dark, there you go, dark. And you can get an appointment just about when you want, and, and this has always been the case until nine weeks ago. And and so I hmm. think a lot of people have really begun to appreciate their hairdresser more than ever before.
0: <laughs> oh, not just <laughs> not the not just not just the hairdressers, but the nail techs, the the oh, estheticians yeah. that do facials you know, people that that go everything. You know, the cryo stuff, which is so big now. You know, a friend of mine, cryo. my a friend of mine owned a cryo studio. She actually ended up closing it up for good. That, that oh, yeah. was the end of that. Oh my you know? god! Um, yeah. No, uh, I'll yeah. tell you what. The, I'll tell you what the problem is
2: really quick, Jackie. Let me jump in. And and, and this kind of goes back to the thirty percent figure guesstimate of the number of salons that are going to close down. And that doesn't include things like cryo studios, yoga studios, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that, that the landlords are still charging rent. So in, for a hair salon, for example, and I'm not just talking about mine, but let's talk about, you know, a typical open hair salon with 10 stations in it that's been closed down for the last nine or 10 weeks. The, the landlord is still expecting the rent. And yep. so the the salon owner has to have a significant amount of money and savings and be willing to use their savings, which is likely the savings for her or his family, right? To mm-hmm. pay the landlord during this moratorium. And a lot of the the salon owners are just, just saying, this is not worth it. Like, I don't, I don't make that much money on my salon. I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it and all that. But the profit margin on the salon is very low. This has always been the case, and it's no surprise to anybody. So they're like, why am I going to pay, you know, $28,000 to, you know, Mr. Landlord when, when I shouldn't have to pay anything because I was closed down by government order? Uh, why should I pay right. that just to be able to reopen my salon and continue to struggle to eat out of profit? when I could just go, you know, take my client somewhere else. So the, and, mm-hmm. and the same goes for a cryo studio or a yoga studio or so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And that's why this is kind of why we had another 2.1 million people file unemployment this morning. We've had mm-hmm. a total yeah. of 40 million people file for unemployment in the last eight weeks. It's been absolutely insane. Nobody would have ever
1: guessed that this could happen.
0: Okay, yeah, well, so, most people, so, but most people don't.
1: Oh, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm sorry. It, it, this is a wonderful discussion, but I want to get back to the incredible business that Salon Republic is. You, Eric, you you just blew me away. Uh, you know, with the you're you're solving two problems here. I see. You're solving a problem for the salon owners. But you're also solving a problem for commercial real estate uh, companies that have spaces yeah. that just don't fit uh, in this new. You know, retail was already under siege, and you're you're in a mm-hmm. you're currently in a space 1600 Pacific Coast Highway in Hermosa Beach. I know that building mm-hmm. very very well. It used to be years and years ago, decades. Ago, it used to be a, a movie theater, and it's mm. been through so many different iterations. But now I see that Salon Republic might be the ultimate uh, tenant in that building. And so I want to, I want to, I want to focus on this. Focus on your craft. Okay. We take care of the rest. And talk about how you do. You have in Salon Beauty Supply. You have free. Free weekly education and social media coaching for your salon owners. <laughs> Talk about that!
2: <laughs> wow. Okay, so th- this is a, thank you for letting me promote myself. I normally am a little shy when it comes to promoting myself, but you, since you've <laughs> thrown me the ball, um, you know our <laughs> our goal. Um, I say our. I started a company twenty years ago. It was largely me sort of the first eight years, I think I ha- might have had it. My first employee, I think, was my girlfriend, and, and nice. I stuck her in the salon. But but for the most part, it's it's been um, my vision to essentially
0: um, bridge
2: the gap between a full-service, team-based, submission, employee-based salon and... Um, a scenario in which a hairdresser breaks away from such a salon and opens their own storefront, let's say, on Manhattan Avenue. Okay, so the the, the, the problem with with um, the opening up your own storefront, et cetera, is that it requires a tremendous amount of money. It's a tremendous commitment of five to ten years, and you, you all of a sudden become – a business manager versus a hairdresser who just wants to have a more controlled space. So, um, Mm -hmm. however, in the employee-based salons, a lot of those hairdressers are very good hairdressers who've built up loyalty and trust with the clientele, and those clients will go to them wherever they go. And that that hairdresser wants a high-quality environment, but they don't want all the restrictions that come with, a team-based, employee-based salon. So, a long time ago, uh, I uh, I got a man- mentor. His name was Keith, and Keith was a barber in Texas, and he developed a concept whereby a hairdresser like that could have their own salon, just in a more um, manageable scale, you know, which which we call a studio, okay? So, uh Keith he helped me start my first salon 20 years ago, and, and then we slowly um, you know, gained speed from there to where we are now, 22 in the South Bay. But the goal remains the same, which is to bridge the gap between a commission-based salon uh, with all of the stuff that the hairdressers get from the salon owner there, and the independence of having their own storefront. So what does that include? That means that we provide education for all of our hairstylists. Um, this was something that uh, a lot of hairdressers, when I've well, salon owners and hairdressers, were very upset at me about. 20 years ago, when I first did this in Studio City, uh, just north of L.A., when I first put up the, the, uh, that first location, a lot of people, the old guard in the industry, so to speak, got very upset at me. They said, what are you doing? You're uprooting the natural progression of things where... You know, the, in a traditional salon, there's a hairdresser who spends 30 years in that salon. They start by being an apprentice, and then they end by uh, being the, you know, the, the mentor who mentors the apprentices. And this is the, the natural flow of things. Well, a lot of people didn't want to do that. So mm-hmm. um, when I put up these studios, and a lot of the high quality hairdressers moved, moved over there right away. Um, That upset a lot of people. And one of the things that they accused me of is uh, creating a situation where there's no longer good education for the young hairdressers. So I endeavored early on to create an educational system that would support, you know, newer hairdressers um, as well as those who are very experienced but just need to keep up with the trends because we all know that if you have a haircut from five, especially the ladies, if you have a haircut or a style or a color from five years ago, you're going to be maybe wanting something else, right, because you're seeing the celebrities and they change their looks and all that jazz. So even the most experienced hairdressers who have been behind the chair for 30-plus years, they need to keep up their education so that they can do the new looks. So we started an educational program about two and a half, maybe three years ago now, where every Monday there's free education at I think we're doing on average three to four locations in Southern California every Monday. And any of mm-hmm. our Salon Republic hairdressers can go there. Um, and, and it's just been tremendous. Initially, it started off a little slow. I think we needed to build the trust of our hairdressers to that we were putting on good education. But, but um, those classes fill up just about every Monday now. So that's one thing we do. Um, Another one of the big things that we do is we've brought the wholesale beauty supply inside the salon. So for those who don't know how the industry works, and most people who aren't in the industry, most clients don't recognize this, but I would say 80% of hairdressers have to buy products for themselves to use professionally on their clients. There's two big companies in the country that provide this kind of thing. In the South Bay, for example, there are little storefronts, and they're you know littered around, and they're the kinds of things that clients don't really see, but that's where all the hairdressers go. So we developed relationships directly with the brands, you know, Redken, Goldwell, Wella, all the big brands, and we created our own. Uh, distributor inside each salon. So the hairdressers don't need to leave the salon to go buy a tube of color because they got a last minute client at 3 PM. We've got that right down the hall. So we've been doing that for two, two and a half years. uh, And, and uh, almost every one of our salons, the only salons that don't have that are the ones that are out of state. We have locations in Texas and Colorado, but all the locations Mm -hmm. in California have that. Um, we have on-site managers to take care of everything. We have a uh, towel service in most of our locations where we do towels for the, for the hair dressers so they don't need to do laundry. So we're really trying to take all of these things, all the benefits of being in a commissioned salon, all the things that the salon does for the hairdresser, we're trying to offer those um, to, to our, our uh, beauty professionals in a more
0: independent situation.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that, that's amazing. That 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 is amazing. I, real quick before we go to our station break, Joe, I just want to ask. So, uh, Eric, so things, so all the things that an, an individual salon owner or somebody that rents a space in the salon, all those things that they would take care of outside of doing people's hair, you take care of. You hand you have management for that, so they don't have to worry about cleaning service, towels, right. supplies. Um, and, and all they don't. They, it takes all that off their shoulders. Yes, a, a, a vast majority of
2: it. Right. We wow. make it more convenient. Wow. We make it. We actually sell our products a little cheaper than than the the big incumbent uh, distributors. Yeah, we we just want to make it better. We we want to make it. Our mission, by the way, now is a good time to is to um, is to give beauty professionals the ideal working environment.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I love that. Um Thank you. Joe, let's 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 yeah. do our station break and then when we come back, we're going in another direction.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the South Bay Show, uh, we come to you live every Thursday morning and Friday morning. We were uh having special uh Tuesday morning uh shows, but those may be on hold for a while. We're going to be sufficing with the uh, Thursday morning and and, uh, Friday morning, which is our normal time. Uh, Thursday mornings is the South Bay Spotlight. You're listening to that today. And then Friday mornings, we're proud to be sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber uh, for Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. This is a hyper-local podcast. If you live anywhere in the South Bay from El Segundo to Palace Verdes Estates and, and RPV and on anyone on the hill and then uh, east uh, through Gardena and Hawthorne and Lawndale. We are your source for the latest in fashion, in uh, local business, uh, local government, and, of course, um, all of the things related to uh, the pandemic and, 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 and information, as you heard at the top of this show. Please join us every Thursday and Friday morning. Please share us with your friends and neighbors. Um, Please call in on a regular basis when we have call-in shows. We'd love to have you join us, uh, support the South Bay Show, facebook.com forward slash the South Bay Show. Please join us, and and, uh, we we love to serve you. We've been doing this, Jackie, now for uh, potentially nine years this coming August.
0: Yeah, nine years. It'll be nine years in August. And don't forget Siri and Google Play. Oh, yeah. Hey, Siri, play the South
1: Bay Show. Uh, Alexa, play the South Bay Show. You can find us on all your favorite smart speakers. <laughs> now, Jackie, right. are we going in a new, a new direction?
0: Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, so, Eric, listen. Um, one of the things I've noticed, during the last 11 weeks all the people on tv the politicians the news people the celebrities the talking heads they all seem to be getting their hair done (laughs) you know their their eyebrows are done you know they they got they got their lips plumped and they got their botox going uh why is it good for them and not good for the rest of us
2: yeah well i mean if if you aren't used to seeing that, you're not. You haven't been paying attention <laughs> for your adult life. Yeah. So look, we we all know that the that the that there's a lot of hypocrisy out there with with decision makers, and, um, and unfortunately, it's been laid bare, of course, for over the last uh, ten weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the other part of that is, uh, and by the way, I know this is going on locally too. That. A lot of these hairstylists and nail people are going to people's homes. You know, people get right. to a point and they're like, "I need to get my hair done," or "Oh my gosh, my my nails need to be done," um, yeah. or "Or or 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 my lips are starting to deflate," uh, whatever right. it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're going into private homes where, you know, considering the situation, that's so much more dangerous. Than, right. than even going, in, going into a regular salon. I mean, you, you know, you're exposing potential whole families, you know. Right. So, you know, we we know so that's been going on, but, you know, people have to put food on the table. You know, people have to right. pay rent. You know, they so it's been happening. They have to put on the
2: table. Exactly. They have to do all that. But I think you've got something else involved. And, and this has been very interesting for me as a, as a business manager, as a business owner, somebody who – has direct contact with so many different hairdressers. When, when the COVID thing started happening, let's call it mid-March, everybody was very confused. Everybody was very scared. Their, the emotions were very high. We didn't know if kids could get it. We didn't know if it was only old people. We didn't know this. We didn't know that, right? So there was, there was a divide then, like there is a divide now. The line has simply moved. So early on, I would say about half of our hairdressers were accusing me of killing people because I have not I had not yet shut the salon down.
0: Oh boy. I mean these
2: are literally and and these are people that I know. You know, these are not strangers to me. These are people I know accusing me of killing people because I hadn't shut the salon down unilaterally. The other half of the people were they wanted to keep working. Um, call, call it what you will, call the reason what you will, uh, because maybe they had a more pragmatic viewpoint of the, of the risk or because they just prioritized the fact that they needed to pay their bills, or whatever, they would have done anything to continue working. The city then hmm. sh- and the state then shut us down. Santa Monica was first, by the way, and then Beverly Hills was second. They, they fell right in line after Santa Monica. And then the state, I think, uh, enacted the moratorium a number of days after that. We had – talk about the 50% that wanted to keep working. We had people trying to break – actually, we had people breaking in the salon to continue seeing clients in their studios.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay.
2: So that's how much that side wanted to keep working. And, of course, the side that was petrified to keep working – Uh, they were happy as as clams, right, especially after the federal money started to get announced. Okay, so that was about 50-50. Let's fast forward to where we are now. And the line, the dividing line, call it, has shifted very strongly towards, I mean, it's probably 97%. We got to get back to work. Uh, 3%. No, we've got to stay at home, and the government needs to send us more money. You know, that, that's kind of where we are now. So it, it is very clearly a majority of uh, this is – can I curse on this show? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Oh, yes, I, absolutely. Yeah. We
0: encourage cursing. We encourage cursing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all excited then,
0: that I'm going to
2: curse. Um, a lot, it, guys, uh, guys are like, you know, th- this is horseshit. And I think that you've got a combination of, yeah, we've got to pay our bills, but you also have a combination of, wait a second, I did the math, and it doesn't seem like something is right here, right? I mean, when and it started about four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago now, when the antibody test results started coming out. So New York City, their results for um, New York City was about 20% have the antibodies wait a second that changed everything right we thought that the mortality rate of this thing was five percent the government the experts the health uh, professionals etc were telling us the mortality rate was five was five to seven percent there were some people even saying higher than that and to go further down that line of thinking you know the College of London said two million people were going to die like in like a month or two months, that the experts were saying these crazy things, scaring the living hell out of everybody, right? So all of a sudden, the antibody tests start coming down. They did one in San Francisco. We initially thought that, that you know, some one of people in San Francisco had been COVID positive. Now, all of a sudden, 5 to 6% of people in, in San Francisco are, are COVID positive. That changes a lot. 20% of people in New York City um, were COVID positive, and many of them didn't even know it. That changes a mm-hmm. lot. All of a sudden, the mortality rate is starting to look like 0.8%, 0.7%, right? So people mm. are seeing this, you know, through the the news bullshit, which, I, you know, the, the news and, and we're in media to some degree here, but, you know, in a much different level, the, the news wants hysteria. The, this whole thing has been a hate exactly for the news outlets. You know, and and this is not political, by the way. Nothing I'm saying is political. That CNN, Fox, um, MSNBC, all of them, want They they are feeding off of our desire every morning to wake up and be like, oh my gosh, what's happening now? And we grab our phones? And we, we briskly go to the CNN app to see what the latest, how many people have died. You know, all of this is exactly what they want. You know, this is how they make mm-hmm. money. So they don't want to let the foot off the pedal of hysteria and attention, which is what they trade in. So, but though for those who are looking at these numbers, we're thinking, okay, well, this thing isn't nearly as dangerous as we thought, and, oh, my God, 80% of people who have died are over 65? Well, I'm only 32, you know? Maybe it's not yeah. as risky for me as I initially thought. So that, in combination with uh, the fact that landlords are still collecting rent. Uh, still demanding rent and bills still need to be paid. You know the electric bill is still coming and they expect their money. Basically, pushed this entire industry of over half a million beauty professionals in in California underground to do services illegally. And I saw the shift happening incrementally, but very very quickly. There was there were there was a lot of people who were like you know stay home stay home you know that's what we all heard you know stay home together or or whatever. And um, then it's, it's a little less of that, it's a little less of that, and a little less with every passing day. And then it's like I hear from my friend who was previously neurotic about staying at home, and she's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so is coming over to do my hair. And I'm like, wait a second, what happened? You know, you, you thought you were going to die 10 days ago, and now all of a sudden you've got your hairdresser coming over, right? So um, we we have we have swung very widely towards we have to reopen things up. We know who the vulnerable people are. Um, that I I uh, interviewed an infectious disease doctor from uh, Thousand Oaks on this week's episode of the Hair Game podcast. That this week's episode I knew was going to be controversial because I was going to ask him some some things that the normal media doesn't ask. And right. if he answered them in a controversial way, I, I knew that that was going to ruffle some feathers. Um, but it's now, is already our most popular episode, and it's only been like three days. Um, but basically, right. he said, look, I, I'm, a, I'm an infectious disease doctor. I've seen many, many COVID patients in multiple hospitals around, you know, the north part of L.A. And he's like, this thing is no more deadly than the common flu and it might be less, he's like, this thing is 03 to 0.5% fatality rate, and we know exactly who the vulnerable people are.
1: You know, there's the right. older
2: people, and then the, and there are people with, um, with issues, right? Diabetes, obesity, um, you know, certain lung issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think this could potentially go down as one of the biggest political scandals of our lifetimes, I, I don't know if it's, it's going to be posed that way just because there's too many politicians and there's too many people in the press who have um, committed so strongly towards, you know, the, towards one direction of this thing. But mm-hmm. the fact that, that we didn't use our resources to ring fence the nursing homes and mm-hmm. older people and people with uh, certain, you know, physical vulnerabilities, and instead shut down the largest economy in the history of the world, and sent out free money to everybody. I think is just an absolute
1: disgrace.
2: Eric, well,
1: I can tell, you, Eric, you said that so well. uh, Thank I you. can tell you that, that, that Jackie is very, very excited that you're here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, well, no, no. you were right. Everything you just stated, Eric, was absolutely right. Is it any wonder. You know, I've never been into conspiracies, but looking at what's been going on, you know, I'm like, well, maybe there's something to it, you know, but you're absolutely right. And it certainly hasn't helped that every day the goalposts are moved. You know, last right. week they came out and said, well, it, the surface thing isn't as much of an issue as we thought it was, and it, don't right. wear a mask, and then and then don't go anyplace without a mask. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's a bunch of bullshit, but um, I, going back to what you were saying about the media, I just wanted to mention my husband, the first thing this morning, he was you know, going through his news feed, and he said, oh, CBS just laid off a bunch of their anchors. Mm-hmm. They just they just laid off their weather people they're, you know why because they're losing revenues in advertising. Right. So they're right. laying off a bunch of people. Um and and as I said that was just CBS. I don't know what's going on with others, mm-hmm. but but that's going on as well. And and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Every everything you just said was spot on. Can and I, I Everything
1: was spot on, but I just want to I just want to add for all the people that that say, "Well, it's it's serious. It's serious. It's it's deadly." mortality is the common cold or common flu. 0.2 would be twice as uh, deadly. 0.3 would be three times as deadly. So it's important to get those numbers right when we eventually ultimately get them right. We won't have them right until after we have a vaccine and after we have had some time to analyze the data. So we don't know. So...
0: No, you, you know, and you're, not, you gonna want, or, you're, not, you're no, not gonna know. You're not you're not gonna unless, know unless you test everybody. You're not you're never gonna get true Correct. numbers unless you test everybody in the country. Time.
1: So do you well, want right. your public officials acting in advance of everyone dying or after no one dies? Like to great degrees? Oops. I would prefer that my public officials act in advance of everyone dying from a horrible pandemic if we don't know yet. And they did. Totally agree. Totally agree. And, 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 and by the way, now, I don't, I don't want to this up. to – Now it's time to open up. Right. I, I don't
2: want this to sound like I like that's a conspiracy, what I was talking about. I don't believe that it is. I believe that the intent of the people trying to make the decisions, I believe that it was good. Um, however, I think that, that especially since the states have been the ones in charge of relaxing – the the measures which were extreme. Uh, I think the movement has been slow. Um, and then I want to throw out one more thing that might spin some heads. But the the I, the more I the deeper digger <laughs> <laughs> the deeper <laughs> that I dig into this thing, and the more people I talk to, the stranger the numbers seem to be. And this started a couple weeks ago when somebody I know who asked to remain uh, nameless, but worked for a a fire department in in California, responded to a double fatality DUI, and the bodies were tested post-mortem for COVID. My first question is, wait, I thought these tests were limited. Why are we testing people who died of a um, uh, drunk driving post-mortem? They both tested positive from post-mortem, and their deaths were recorded as COVID deaths.
0: Mm-hmm. What? There's, yeah. Yeah. There was an
2: article. Uh, I'll give you another one. There was an article that came out maybe, I don't know, a month ago, and the headline of the article said something about somebody young dying of COVID. You read the article, and the dude died of a drug overdose, a drug overdose. But his right. death was recorded as a COVID death. So right. there's a big difference between somebody who dies because of COVID and somebody who dies because of somebody else who has COVID. But what we have right. is a situation where, the, where certain organizations, hospitals especially, are incentivized to classify deaths as COVID deaths because the CARES Act gives them more money for COVID deaths. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, this is not a conspiracy. This is fact. This is out there. Right. There's the senator, of, I, I believe, from the, state, uh, um, the, the federal senator from Minnesota, he's a doctor. He's been talking about this since April. And he hasn't gotten any traction with what he's saying. The CARES Act pays hospitals more money for COVID deaths. So um, I, I've been speaking to more and more people. And within the medical community and within fire, police, this is well known. Now, why mm-hmm. this hasn't been discussed more really is beginning to upset me because these numbers of COVID deaths are being used to justify these things that are destroying hundreds of millions of lives. Right. And I, I, right. for the life of me, I can't figure out why nobody has said anything. I, I know a, a guy who is a reporter for USA Today, and I threw out a couple of interesting things to him, and he hasn't responded yet. I, I don't know why somebody is not covering this, but if somebody dies of drunk driving, that's a drunk driving death. That is not a COVID death, even if they had COVID.
0: Right. I mean, do you guys no, see I've a heard, problem with that? I, I, no, absolutely. And I've heard I've heard some of those stories. I, I actually saw a little bit on the news a while back about that. And I'm trying to think. I spoke to somebody about this. Uh, Joe, I, I think it was on one of our podcasts. And I was asking – God, hmm. maybe it wasn't on the show. It was a medical professional. And I said, look it. I said, if somebody has heart disease – and they tested positive for COVID, how does that get, get you know, put on paper? And he said, well, we list everything. So if somebody has lung damage and kidney damage and COVID, we're going to list all three of them. But something as simple mm-hmm. as uh, something as clear cut as a, a, a car accident. Yeah, you died in the car accident. You may have had COVID, but that's not what killed you, um, which, right. you know, is fishy on every level. Um, and and yeah. I don't, I, you know, again, you, you said it, follow the money all the money that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely positively yep. sure that has something to do with it. But what worries me the most is um, the way the state's government's governors went overboard with just, as you said, shutting down the largest economy in the history of the world. The next pandemic, it, you know, it's the, it's the opposite. Um, you remember years ago before Katrina, uh, people that lived in hurricane-prone areas became very nonchalant about them. You know, oh, we got a blow coming. Okay, close the shutters, get the supplies. We'll be fine. We're staying. Mm-hmm. And then Katrina, ha- and then Katrina happened. And now it's the exact opposite. Everybody prepares for the worst possible situation. This, to me, seems to be the opposite. What, I, what I'm afraid what's going to happen is going to be the opposite. The next time we hear about some sort of possible pandemic, people will say, call BS on it and say, we're not Mm -hmm. doing that again. We're not shutting down. We're done with this. And then unfortunately, if it is something bad, it could, you know, it could be very bad. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, you know, there have been people accused of not listening to the scientists. Uh, I don't, I don't find that to be the case. I find that everybody's been listening to the scientists shut down the entire country for for this. You know, you have to take in uh, other aspects of it, not to mention all of the deaths that are going to be caused as as a result of this. The suicide, you know, the depression, you know, you've heard that car mm-hmm. accidents have gone up exponentially because there was nobody on the streets. People are driving like crazy, <laughs> you know, people, people mm-hmm. not going in. For for medical exams or, or 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 surgeries that they need or chemotherapy, you know. So it's it's it, you know yeah. it's so interesting that here we are talking about personal grooming, and 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 but it it go it goes to the bigger picture, you know. It yeah, goes to the bigger the big picture. So you Eric, know, the, Eric, the, let me ask yeah. Eric, Eric, quick question: what what is on the horizon for you? When can you open up? Well, city,
2: city of L.A. is being difficult. Um, I, I served on L.A. Mayor Garcetti's reopening task force for retail, which simply means that, that I was one of seven people who the city was communicating with in regards to developing protocols and, and ways to reopen safely. And I, that was, a, you know, three or four weeks sort of a deal and, and so I was telling the city especially towards the end I'm like you know look guys you've got a mutiny on your hands with beauty professionals because pretty much everyone feels like they can do this safely you know with masks face shields gloves you know all sorts of protocols um, they can they can do their clients safely so like w- when are things going to start relaxing and you know what they told me they said okay. we are very concerned about people thinking that we're going to open too early. Yeah. And I remember hearing that, and and this was only probably 10 days ago, and I was like, wait a second. The people are looking at you to tell us when it's safe. Don't tell me that you're looking at us to tell you when it's safe politically. This is not (laughs) political. Political. You know you have devastation happening out there people there are people who are going to be in poverty for the foreseeable future because of it and by the way it's the it's the lower income people who are going to bear the brunt of this okay mm-hmm. so um, this is these are little things that I've been gleaning through this and and so now, as the governor has started relaxing things, the more pressure that he's gotten upon him I mean he'd like to. He, he loves to talk about um, data and science, but is opening florist shops two days before Mother's Day, is that data and science? The city of L.A. likes to talk about data and science, but the, the health director is talking about giving back our freedoms on July 4th. Is that data and science, or is that mm. politics?
0: So the whole
2: no, you look at all of this, it's bullshit politics. So oh, it, the, it pre- yeah. the pressure was amplified on the governor, and the governor sped up his, his relaxing of, of the, uh, the moratoriums. Uh, you've got counties like Orange County, San Diego County, Ventura County, and 47 other counties in California uh, that are reopening. Thank God we're able to get some of our salons open But we have a vast majority Mm. of our salons in L.A. County, and L.A. County is stubbornly um, not applying to reopen, even though last I checked, we're meeting the thresholds that Governor Newsom uh, most recently laid out, which, by the way, keep moving, right? Is that data and science that the thresholds keep moving, or is it Mm political pressure? So (laughs) L.A. County County has not applied to reopen, which is highly frustrating for everyone. Um, and again, not political. It, it's just, what the hell are you guys doing? Is 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 what it boils down to. Mm.
0: Well, I, you know, Eric, it's interesting that, you know, when you were saying earlier about how some of the people you know work with you were saying you're going to kill people. Why aren't you close? You're going to kill people. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I put out a, a this weekend guide every Thursday morning. And um, I, I've, I've been opining on what's been going on, and and one of the things that I said when I heard that were, they they originally extended it, they were going to extend it through August, they were going to a- extend it three months, yeah. and the minute I heard that, I said, they're going to you're going to tell me. I read an article, it's and, and this was South Bay specific. That, uh, oh, no, it was L.A. County specific. And they said the beaches will probably be open for Memorial Day, but we'll probably close them for the 4th of July. And I immediately <laughs> wrote a little editorial saying, if you tell people they can't go to the beach on the 4th of July, there will be civil unrest. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I mean, these people, they put they, what were they thinking, even even coming out and saying that or, or uh, you, and and quite frankly, Somebody, it eventually got through the thick skulls that they were going to have a much bigger problem on their hand if they didn't start opening things up. And when Manhattan yeah. Beach did that last week, when Manhattan Beach figured out a way to do it and just buck the county orders, they knew they knew they had a, they, they had a cave. They had to start opening it up because otherwise, seriously, how would it look? How would it look if all the cities in LA County just decided to ignore the county rules? yeah it yeah it goes right out the window, you know, so and they're, and what are they most mm-hmm. afraid of losing their power so um, yeah. you know what, this has been a fantastic conversation, um, we're going a little bit over, but we're- we're gonna wrap it up um we went right. we were all over the place, but um, so uh, Solana Republic can't wait for you guys to open, I'll be the first person in there.
2: But thank you. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're all ready to go. We've created our protocols, our safety. Everybody is ready to go safely. We all think we can do it, so we're really excited to do it. Can I say one last thing? And, and sure. It, it concerns the mask, and it, it's not political, but the um, the infectious disease doctor that I interviewed on our latest episode said, because I asked him about the mask, right, because you like you mentioned at the top of the show, some people think they're amazing. Some people think they're horrible and they're shaming and all sorts of other stupid things happening. I said, what about the masks, doctor? And he said, if 60% of the population wore masks that were 60% effective, we could have gotten rid of this thing already. So I have been encouraging people, look, it's a small price to pay. Please put your right. mask on. It's not that big of a deal.
1: Right. So I would say, Eric, that you would say that it is a question of leadership to encourage people to wear masks, wouldn't you say? It drives me insane when
2: our president goes on TV and as he's telling everyone to be safe, he's shaking everybody's hand at the, at the podium and he's not wearing a mask. It drives me insane. Is that what you wanted me to say?
1: that's what I wanted you to say thank you you're, you're a very very good guest you are one of the best guests that we've had in some time I, and I'm not uh, I'm not just saying that
2: because I know you wanted me to say it. it is driven me pain since the very beginning
1: it is it is one of the many things you know sort of cross currents that that uh you know uh you know the 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 rest of the world looks at us and they say, "Well, those crazy Americans I mean it is one of those things <laughs> through the cross currents of our political dialogues, but having you Eric Taylor, on the show today is one of uh one of our best moves ever Jackie, you really Thank found you. a great uh, <laughs> uh well, it's not just your your clear thinking." it is not just the fact that you are in some way reshaping a fundamental industry in our country and in the world. Uh, I think that if uh, there's a salon owner out there that uh, is looking for a better way, um, I think that you have uh, really found one. And and, and I also said, I thought that not only are you creating a safe, an educational place for, uh, for professionals in the, in the grooming industry, but you're also finding a way forward for commercial uh, retail or for commercial real estate, because commercial real estate in, in, in the sense of, of, you know, the typical, I don't know, I'm saying a, a, like a financial uh, consultant or a lawyer or some other kind of, of professional that might rent office space, I think people are understanding, and uh, you know that you can do this from a home office. You can do this mm-hmm. from uh, with Zoom and and the other tools that mm-hmm. are available. But you can't do mm-hmm. a haircut from a home office. You can't do a haircut remotely <laughs> by video All conference. Right. You need a space, and you found a way to to make these spaces. Valuable to your salon uh, owners your 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 not just your your uh, the people that visit have you thought of opening up the beauty supply for maybe by appointment only and the classes yeah i know you' are what about the classes the people from Salon republic can come, but what about the general public? can they uh, uh, avail themselves of your classes? Oh, it's a great
2: question. I and I <clears throat> I, t- I tend to not go into nuances in it during the interviews because I it, 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 I I get lost in the weeds and and I think that I lose the listener's attention. But since you mentioned it, the classes are available to non-Salami public beauty professionals. I we have a mm-hmm. fee of some amount. I might be forty or fifty dollars mm-hmm. or something like that, which is you know mm-hmm. in the scheme of things is very inexpensive, but. Uh, we, 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 we have to prioritize the Solanity Public hairstyles. However,
0: mm-hmm. we do have
2: non solonity Public hairstyles uh, coming to the classes, and if, if a hairdresser is listening who's not a Solanity Public hairdresser, you can go to SolanityPublic.com. You can go to the education part of our menu there, and then uh, all the information is, is right there. Um, there was another part of your question, Joe, uh, that i lost.
1: Well, that, that you're providing um, a, a solution, a way forward for commercial real estate to see how they can reshape their right. spaces and places uh, sure. by sure. giving – uh, we...
2: go Going. Right, right. We, so we're a destination. So it's it, we've been able to take space that other retailers haven't been able to use. For example – the building that you mentioned in Hermosa on PCH.
1: 1600. That the Pacific 1600, Coast Highway.
2: That's right. Uh, the, the, everybody knows it as the building with the uh, 24-hour fitness in it. The, right. the space that we took upstairs on the second level was a Glen Ivy day spa. You probably remember that. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I lived down the street. I lived right on Hermosa Avenue and 14th Street. I lived there for years um, by the old Edith Joe's. Do you remember Edith Joe's, guys? Oh, it's still there. Yep, yep. So I lived right next to Edith Joe's for years. And then I ended up uh, buying a house in Redondo Beach that I lost a fortune on because I I bought it in 2007 and I sold it in 2010. But uh, but that... (laughs) But, it, but that, where my salon in uh, Hermosa Beach is right now used to be the Glen Ivy Day spot, and, and that spot failed within six months, unfortunately. And the, the owner of the building uh, tried to find a tenant for, oh, my gosh, five-plus years, something like that. And then we went in there, and it's been fantastic. Everybody loves it. Um, and, and, you know, it's got, the, the building is quirky, uh, which is part of what makes it good. But uh, that's been a great salon. And we just opened the one on Hawthorne Boulevard in Torrance. And uh, we've got probably got probably 100 hairdressers in there now, even though it just opened. Um, and we'll fill that salon up over the course of the next year. That's a great location, too. There's a coffee shop right there. It's a brand-new building. It's an office building. It's where the Daily Breeze offices used to be, if you guys know that.
0: I know exactly where that is. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we took over the ground floor of that office building and there's parking right in back, you know, where Bye Bye Baby is. So there's Mm -hmm. parking, parking back there and you enter kind of right from the parking lot, you know, into the building into our own salon entrance. And uh, it's a huge salon and we've got a lot of great people working in there.
1: All right. Cool.
0: All right. Well, we got to wrap it up, Joe,
1: well, it's been a fabulous, fabulous show. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Eric Taylor, for joining us today.
2: Thanks so much for having us, and, and thanks for allowing me to uh, talk about Swan Republic as well as some of the
1: more controversial things
2: happening out there.
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've just, uh, uh, you've just uh, witnessed one of the, the latest shows in the South Bay uh, uh, Controversies of america series and <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're thrilled to bring them to you salon salonrepublic.com salon com. visit and avail yourself of all their services thank you so much and jackie this was a great show
0: oh you're very welcome joe
1: <laughs> yes well uh uh it it, it is uh Uh, becoming uh, a a regular thing around here. Uh, Thank you, everybody, (laughs) for joining us today, and uh, have a great uh, uh, time. The weather is fabulous. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Who's going to be on tomorrow, Jackie?
0: Uh, We're going to have a woman on to talk about uh, surf therapy. Right, right. I'm, 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 I can't remember her last Pimlico, Chris, I, I'm going to mess up her last name, but yeah, we're going to be talking okay. about the world of surf therapy. Okay.
1: And I Ooh. was thinking, Jackie, when, when I found out about that, I was thinking, thank God we're getting back to normal surf therapy. It's so South Bay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> Thanks everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.